What is going on, everybody? It's real with Jordan and Demi. What's up, Demi? Demi on the West Coast. West Jordan, Coast, Demi. Jordan. Yeah, Jordan, we're waiting for you here. What's going on? I'm trying, trying to get out there, trying to get out there. Now, uh, just a quick anecdote. Demi shared a story with me mm -hmm. uh, that she yeah. ran into our recent <laughs> podcast guest. Tell, tell that story real quick, Demi. No, no, like literally not even funny. When people say like everyone's in LA, like they're not even kidding. We had Swaco on the show, was it one episode ago? And uh, yeah, I literally had just landed in LA. I was walking down the boardwalk on Venice Beach and there is, see this emo looking kid? I'm like, oh, this is okay, LA style. I look closer, it's freaking Swaco. It was Swaco, so that was that. Yeah, and, and uh, we, yeah, he we, don't, we don't have it, but that's uh, so weird and coincidental because I assume you said that it was some kind of industry event that you went to or you no. had a manager in common or something like that. Jordan, no. He was yeah. literally eating tacos and it was a uh, interesting, interesting time. Interesting time. Yeah. Well, today's show is not about Swaco. Is it about somebody else? Mm -hmm. uh, a very talented singer songwriter. She's from Texas. She's put out several albums, including uh, Suburban Nature and Bad Baby. And her latest EP, The Championship, is out now. Please welcome to the show, Sarah Jaffe. What's going on? What's good? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was trying to read my, my intro like from my laptop six feet away. Oh, it, was, <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't easy. So are you coming from your home studio, your, your, your spot? Where are you at right now? I'm here at my apartment in, in Brooklyn, in, in Ridgewood, Queens. Wait, you are literally about um, uh, yeah. probably nine-tenths of a mile from me right now. Are so you really? Been, <laughs> when yeah, you said yeah, that, I'm, like, I'm, I'm just like on, right the, I'm the, just on the, uh, the Bed-Stuy side of Broadway. Oh, okay. So, yeah. I'm so, on that's very, close like, to Forest, forest Out. of all the places in the world and all the places where you can do music, how did you end up in New York? I moved here a couple of years ago. I... I had been living in Texas and still travel there very frequently. Um, but I, you know, I just felt like I needed to, to move a little bit and get, get going. I had just been there for so long, but why'd you choose me? Why'd you choose New York over LA? Um, I had brief, very briefly lived in Los Angeles. Um, you know, uh, at this point a decade ago, I think New York just always just kind of resonated with me in a way. It's just like scrappy <laughs> and uh, New Yorkers just find, we find a way. Um, yeah. And I, at the time had just been, let's get real. I would just gone through a divorce and I was feeling scrappy and New York was someplace I always wanted to go. So the here that I sounds am. like a movie I would watch. You know, you yeah, take a divorce, you change locations, <laughs> fresh new life. Coming to you on Netflix. Yeah. Another white girl. Yeah. <laughs> Another white girl moves to a new city. Yeah. That's right. Exactly. So uh, let's start out with what you're doing now, this EP, The Championship, which is, it's an EP, but it's it's two songs. Yeah. Um, kind of a single with a B-side sort of style. First of all, the, the sound of this is very upbeat. It's optimistic. It's nice. It's it's very like ear candy-ish. So thank you. For I, I love the song uh Francis McDormand, Catherine O'Hara. It's <laughs> it's great uh song. Um so let's talk about that song specifically. What do you love about these two actresses and why you decided to write this song? Well, they're the best, right? Yeah, that you say um, that in the song, they're the best. 
Yeah, the best. I, well, I mean, I think I've just been writing a lot of pop lately and uh, I enjoy, I, I mean, that's pretty much all I listen to. Um, and it's a far, it's obviously very far, uh, far departure from, from suburban nature. But I think, you know, these progressions with each release really just came from top lining, from writing for other artists. And it just kind of naturally leaking into my process. But um, I think these are just more upbeat because I'm, I'm booed up. I'm happy. I'm in love. Oh, you got a new boo. You got yeah. new boo. I'm, I'm booed up. Okay. Yeah. Well, pause. You got to turn <laughs> So you moved to New York. I want to know how you adjusted to New York. But like, is this a New York guy? Like what kind of guy is this? What's going on? Oh, it's a she. I'm very much a gay lady. But let's uh, go. Yeah. <laughs> um, she is fantastic. I mean, if I'm being honest, I've I've spent the majority of my year indoors. Uh, and so I haven't explored New York as much as I would love to. Um, but you know, falls here and things such a romantic time forget the doom yes, yes. it's such a romantic time i mean they made a movie with richard gero and Emma writer autumn in new york uh, autumn and who could forget? <laughs> yeah yeah so it's um when you go are you a romantic dater do you like romantic dates or do you think that stuff is kind of cheesy i'm sentimental but i'm i you know we're we're like hang at home smoke a little green watch a movie kind of gals yeah. sounds right sounds about yeah. right Sounds about right. So back to the music, you talked a little bit about, about this new optimistic, you know, more poppy sound. Is this a teaser for a longer EP or an album or, or what do you got coming down the pike? Um, I definitely will be releasing a record that I'm in the process of writing now. It just kind of just started. Um Honestly, the la again, the last year, I think a lot of artists and people for that matter, just uh, it's hard to split your brain into a creative mode versus survival mode. So right. I feel like the ice is just now kind of melting. And um, so I just started get getting back into to writing and I'm going to be going back into the studio. Um, so we should have a record in 2022. Another one. Yeah. I want to talk about writing in your process. Um, yeah. It sounds like a crazy, like three part question, but I came across your, um, your album, Suburban Nature. <clears throat> I was in high school and I remember hearing swelling and oh, yeah. just like, you know, when you feel like a song can describe, like it describes exactly how you're feeling in that moment. And I was probably like 16 and all my feelings. Mm -hmm. And that became like my song to like be in my feelings. And, I mean, coming from a such vulnerable place, I just want to know your process with your writing. It's so interesting to me that these, you know, like these teen moments, because I was very much still living with my parents when I wrote that record. And I mean, a lot of those songs, eight, I was 18, 19 years old. And just in my bedroom, right. And just like you said, just like feeling all the things, all of it. And it's so interesting to me coming back to that and playing those songs, a lot of those songs live and them just continuously resonating with me as a now 35 year old woman. So um, 
I still very much write the same way, um, just like from a fundamental, uh, just me and an acoustic guitar. Um, most times, I mean, a lot of times I'll kind of have a melody in my head for a little bit until it finally makes its way out. But um, honestly, I still very much write the same way I did when I was writing Suburban Nature, just me and my in my bedroom. <laughs> How do you feel about, go ahead, Demi. I was wondering, do you ever experience like writer's block? Especially I find working with like, the more people you work with, it's kind of like you have to extend yourself emotionally, almost like synthetically. Always, absolutely. Yeah, that's why it's, I mean, that's collaboration is so key at a certain point. I mean, when you just start out in anything, everything's fresh and new and there's, and there's just so much to unleash. But once that thing becomes your full-time job, psych, you know, the psyche changes and it becomes work. And writer's block is always. So that's why it's important for me to actually put myself in a physical space of other people, an actual studio, um, the intention, you know, of, of sitting down and writing and getting outside of my own head. It's so important to be in that environment for me. I find that your comment interesting, Sarah, because in the early part of your career, you you had a really big output. You released one thing after another in that 2010 to 2014 kind of era. Um, do you find it more difficult to get into a writing space now than you than it was 10 years ago? Yeah, I find it difficult because kind of like I was saying, like the my mentality has changed and I think <laughs> I can be a little too, uh, I can get a little too comfortable and it's it's easy for me not to push myself and to still have that mentality of like, the song will come when it's ready, which is a pretty precious mentality. It's I think it's important to um, exercise it like a muscle, you know, and even, you know, I talk about this a lot with friends, just even if what you're writing is absolute shit, it's still important to write that just because mm -hmm. you're, you know, getting those muscles in shape. So, um, yeah. Did that answer it? Or was that? Yeah. yeah I think that, that was good enough. That, that was, <laughs> that was sufficient. That was yeah. a sufficient, uh, an appropriate answer. So over the years, Sarah, you've had a ton of songs placed in, uh, soundtracks and commercials and stuff like that. Uh, uh, Private practice, uh, One Tree Hill, that new on newer on newer side, uh, Sex Life. Why do you think your songs fit well into TV shows and cinematic moments? And is that part of your plan? Do you enjoy putting besides the royalty checks? Do you enjoy seeing your your music on screen? Absolutely, it's so cool. I mean, it just opens up a new audience, right? I, I mean, I think. I think they work because they're moody and there's a lot of space, you know, that I've, I feel like, especially the earlier songs, they don't step on toes and, um, and most definitely those, those checks, those are, those are great. It's definitely not expected. Um, or I guess expected is the wrong word. It's definitely not the intention when I'm sitting out writing the song, but it's, it's such a, a bonus, an absolute bonus to have. The story kind of goes, um, Texas, LA, and then Texas. Is that, is then you went back to Texas, right? Yeah, I did. I, 
LA just kind of kicked. Did we like it? I know. I, I really want to know. I mean, I was like, you know, we all have so many different lives in our life, and that life, I was a baby. I was a baby, and um, just a different person. Wasn't really set in myself. Didn't really know what I wanted to be or do. I mean, I knew I wanted to play music, but LA was just kind of ate me up and spat me out, and I. I, I just don't think it was the right time for me. I would love, love to eventually own a home in Los Angeles. I think it's a fantastic place and unbelievable amount of fantastic artists. It's, I mean, <laughs> every time that I'm there, it's just, it's sunny. Like people are just like, I I don't know what it is about LA, but I always Beecher Mountains. Which one four hours earlier. What's that? I said Beecher, Be Mountain? Beecher Mountains. Which one do you prefer? Oh, I like the mountains. That's why Cali, baby. You got you got both. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. You talked. We talked a little bit about the soundtrack thing. You actually wrote several songs for a movie a few years ago, uh, Never Going Back. What was that process like? And did you know how much you know about? Was the movie already done? How much did you know about the movie before you wrote the songs for the for the soundtrack? That was a really cool process because I was able to be involved from the jump with the director who is um, also based out of Dallas. And she kind of came to me um, up front and just asked if I would be interested. Naturally, I was um, super, super talented. Uh, uh, I'm spacing on her name, which is an absolute atrocity. She's my friend. You'll never forget an actual friend's name. Um, but yeah, I was very involved and I knew kind of uh, the vibe, you know, they, they basically were wanting to create this, this environment that w was their own world. Like everything, every song that lived in that movie was, you know, a part of that environment, a part of their worlds. And so I just kind of created little like snippets of songs and we would send ideas back and forth. We had like the shared playlists. So there was an involvement up front um, that I hadn't had before. And it was ex not only extremely helpful, but just such a fun process to um, just kind of unpack as, as she progressed and as the movie, um, you know, went into actual production, you know, like visiting the set and, meeting everyone. It was, it was really, really cool. And I learned a lot from that particular that's, movie. That's a good answer. I was, I was hoping that was that and not, it was a nightmare and I hated it. Oh, it was, it was <laughs> so wonderful. Yeah. Well, we all have those moments and we learned yeah. from them too, but uh, yeah. yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. You're going on tour pretty soon, right? I, I saw some, some dates on your press materials. Yes, I'm going out with Torres again. Um, we actually leave in two days. So oh yeah, so it's like a the second yeah. leg, and, and right. We've we've heard the 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 the, the stories of joy about performing again because it had been like early 2020 before you had you had done this before. Um, but the, the difference between besides you know getting to, to perform for audiences again, you're getting to perform songs that you haven't performed for audiences before. So how have you approached uh, this tour, these, these two legs of this tour uh, differently than maybe past tours because of the break? Absolutely. Um, I mean, there's very much a mutual appreciation that is 
physically felt now when performing. Um, you know, I'd always kind of bitched about touring. Touring was never, I was like, touring was never my cup of tea, yada, yada, yada. You know, like it was just like a part of the package that was something that I would do. I would take it any day. Like if someone were to be like, you want to go on tour? I'd be like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm not doing anything else. Um, but I think what has changed uh, just across the board has been that mutual appreciation um just putting into perspective the you know all of the nuances in a tour that you would take for granted i would take for granted um you know it's just like it's not easy work touring how i do touring how tour just a tour in general is not easy it's it's a lot um and it can be if you know physically draining so i think in the past it was just you know, I'd reached my my limit, and uh, now, in particular, not only do the crowds—I um, mean, just this—the the first leg of this tour was just—it was wonderful because th there was just a gratitude. There's just a gratitude that exists now that was not present before on both ends of the spectrum, and I think that has everything to do with how I perform any song, um, just feeding off of energy. And so when that energy is based in something that is, you know, based in humility, it's, it's, it's felt and the performance is just, it's enhanced, it's better. So, you know, I've, I've really tried to also just blend um, songs from suburban nature and, um, blend them into the newer, into the newer songs. I, you know, I know, I know most people would probably want to hear Clementine from Suburban Nature, but how do you go from Clementine to, <laughs> to championship, you know, swelling. Yeah. and swelling exactly. Like, how do you make that jump? So, um, I think it's just taken a lot of like trial and error and, and quite honestly, a lot of tours to figure out how to make these worlds meet, but it's been so helpful to have gratitude in the middle of that. I'm kind of curious what kind of artist is Sarah on tour? So she does a show, it's lit, all the fans came out. What does she do after the show? Girl, I chill, I smoke a fatty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, wow. I, yeah, I mean, there is the other part of that work is, is, is the merch table, which is. <gasps> you enjoy that part? Mm-mm. No, ma'am, I do not. But it's, again, it's a part of the work. And if I were going, you know, into an office, there are just, everyone finds new ways to bitch and moan. Like, <laughs> you reach the point that you work I want that for, on a shirt. for so everyone long. finds new ways to bitch and moan on a shirt. We do. And 12-year-old yeah. Sarah would be stoked at what I'm doing right now. So I have to, like, it's a constant reminder. So, yeah. When it comes to the merch table, not fun. A lot of dumb questions. Part of the job, you know. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Do you make fun of people when they ask a stupid question? You say that's a dumb question. That's. Um. No. No. <laughs> I. Not. I aim to please. I mean, I have gotten. I've gotten a little mad at times, but. Uh, well, do do you no. find? Are you getting a variety of? Are, are you seeing? 
more like do you see a lot of teen girls in your audience do you see more uh people in their 30s and 40s you see a mix like what have, what is your a pretty audience good mix like? which i'm stoked on honestly like i never i, I like the all-inclusive but um you know with torres uh you know the leg one of this tour like i got a, a lot of new fans which was fantastic and it you know ranged from like teenagers to you know 60 year old men so i was yeah that's a weird that's a weird yeah. mentality i would think because you've been around for more than a decade but you still have to be like there's still new people finding you you can't right. pretend that everyone knows who you are already you know it's an ego check because in the bigger picture I, you know i've have not been doing this long in my head i have but i haven't you know right and everyone's got to hear you for a first time you know like just because this is what I've been doing doesn't, I'm not entitled for you to know who the hell I am. And so it's a ego check, but like, it's a good one. You know, it's yeah. a good one to remember. How do yeah. you feel about kind of, I mean, I guess over the past, I guess, 10 years, the internet has become another job that an artist is kind of required to do. And, um, you know, kind of, it's like you have to make the music, you have to put out the music and work with a team. And then, oh, you have to self-promote through yes, you know, like five, and they want you to do like five different platforms. It's kind of nuts. How, how do you work through that? It's hard to keep keep up, honestly. Um, I mean, my girlfriend has been really helpful. She knows a lot about each of these platforms and, you know, the usefulness in them. The, you know, they're all tools. Um, and I, to be quite honest, I don't know how to use most of these tools, but, um, for me, that's like, it's, it's super, super interesting. Um, and there are pros and cons to that, right? Like there's now we've all, the, the door is ajar and now we see how much talent there is out there. Like it's insane. Like, and it's all right, right there. So I think you know, learning how to use these tools is really important, but I also, <laughs> the duality in that is, yes, it is absolutely overwhelming. Uh, I, would just, I was just thinking about this the other day that the definition of a quote unquote making it is different now than it was before Spotify, before the internet, making it 20 years ago meant radio play, meant your CD in Best Buy, meant mm -hmm. charting a song, but now there's a different definition. Do you feel yes. like- you measure success now way differently now than you did 12 years ago? Uh, I mean, probably I would mm. have to, right? Yeah. But I mean, doesn't everyone move the goalpost a little bit? Like when you're, when you're at a place, the place never really looks like what you thought it would look like. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Like, do you, do you pay attention to like how many streams you're getting and that kind of stuff? No, not really. That's, that's really, you know what, the answer when we've asked that before in the past, it's always like, no, I don't pay attention, but yes, I really do kind of stuff. So it's cool. I mean, actually... don't you, do you think that, it, do you guys personally think that it is a crapshoot? Like, do you think there is a formula to it? Uh, this is, this is Demi's territory. Demi, uh, 
I I'll, I brag on Demi before, but Demi oh, released right. a single a couple months ago, and it's gotten 90,000 streams without any kind of promotion. Damn, Jordan, I didn't even look up my own numbers. Yeah, go yeah, off, yeah. I, mommy, I go off. Yeah. Really? Hey. Yeah. I mean, um. No, but yeah. Uh, yeah so, so yeah, so <laughs> it's it's just a different world now. It's okay, Doug good. Burr. Oh yeah. I want to get into, um, I've, I've did a little research and Doug Burr was a mentor of yours who was claimed to be super important to you. And I think in this industry, mentors are so, so, so important, especially if you don't have parents that are in the industry or you're not from a place that, you know, there's music around maybe. So um, how did this mentor kind of navigate and kind of change your life? MySpace. I met Doug on MySpace. What? Who's Doug? Well, Shout out Doug. Yeah, Doug, Doug Burr on MySpace, he was just like another uh, musician when I was still living in Dallas that I met. And I actually just had come back from Los Angeles and I was just ready and so, so eager to do any and all shows. Um, and Doug and, and I connected via MySpace and uh, started playing shows together. And he had already, you know, had an established uh presence in you know in the regional area of you know where I was living Dallas ish area and he just kind of like like I just kind of tagged along with him and he's just a phenomenal phenomenal musician phenomenal songwriter um yeah I, man I haven't talked to Doug in so long but yeah it's time to really back out to Doug such, yeah it is out shout out to Doug Burr shout out to you sir <laughs> Yeah, it was a pivotal moment. I, I think if it, it's one of those things, if you look back, it's easy to forget. But like, if you look back, you see that, oh, okay, if I hadn't have met this person, you know, maybe things wouldn't have, have happened, you know, or started for me. Maybe you'd be an English teacher right now. Or maybe you, you know, yeah. you have a, yeah. you have another non-musical career picked out. What's yeah. that? Did you have an, a non-musical career picked out? before you got into music professionally? Here's a wild card. No I, think I'd, I think I'd want to drive semis. Nice. Wait, what nice. is that? Semi. Like semi trucks. I just like driving. You do? do you like, do you, are you a road wheelers? tripper? Yeah, but sometimes I just I like, it's not necessarily about the stops. I just like going. Moving. So you want to be a, is like a farming thing. I'm a city girl. I, I've noticed. <laughs> like, I, I like that Demi doesn't have, doesn't understand it the concept be. of long haul trucking. Like she's never. No, I don't you know. know any, anything really like all the 18 wheelers you see on the highways. Like I think the thing, the main thing that's stopping oh, me is just like, right. I don't love sleeping in a vehicle and I've actually been in 18 wheelers and they've got like the bunk bed, the bunk beds, they're stacked. And also it's just dangerous and a lot of mess. Yeah. So what do these trucks do, Jordan? Do they transport like product? Yes. Like yes. yes, like any yeah. any product you buy at the store was probably transported on a on a large uh semi truck, an 18 wheeler. Yeah. Um I'm from Kansas City, uh Sarah, so I'm Definitely. very familiar with the whole my <laughs> uncle, my uncle Country Bill was a trucker. Boy. And he really? had a really badass truck. Yeah. With a nice See, sleeping I would, corner I would in the back too. Out. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, deck, deck it out. What kind of when you're on tour? Do you have a do you do a bus, a van? Like what? What's your situation there? 
a minivan because it's just me and a drummer keep it super simple like streamlined gear I've done the 15 passengers and and been on the buses and can't afford the buses right now so we're keeping it small had to cut cut all the backup singers off they can't come that's right sorry guys our producer has to talk about your album art for this new project can we bring uh, that? Yes. So it's all very, I have a, my dad was a high school women's basketball coach. So basketball was a big uh, part of my childhood on into high school. Played until I c- could not play anymore. Uh, but I think for some reason, I don't know if y'all caught on to this or maybe just my eyes attuned to it. There's, I think with our generation, like there's such a, um, a recent uh, marketing of like 90s basketball, like nostalgia. Have y'all noticed this? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. There was even, I got a press release for a rapper who released an NBA Live 95 themed EP. It's so strange, but I, I love that it's happening. I yeah. really do because I, I lived for that era of basketball. Um, and so after the championship, I was like, oh, let's let's make the cover like trading cards. So they're now like little drop card collectible basketball cards, sports cards. Are um, you a Mavs fan? Because you're from Dallas? I'm a Mavs fan, but I was all about the Houston Rockets. Right, because you were a kid when they would do the championship with Elijah Wan and Kenny Smith. Elijah Wan was my man, 34, yeah. He was my yeah. man. Um, yeah, I don't really, <laughs> to be honest, I do not follow basketball anymore. My, I kind of keep up vicariously. They're all a bunch of whiners dad. now. Let's be honest. Like the NBA, they <laughs> whine too much. If they don't like the team they're on, they demand a trade. Like I think about, you talk about the, the 90s basketball. Um, we're in New York here and the Knicks never won a championship. And imagine if the Knicks were around today, Patrick Ewing would be complaining about the lack of talent around him and demand a trade because John Starks wasn't good enough, you know? And so, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. different, you know, I had to get that off my chest. I guess I've been holding in for a while. Yeah. Why do you that. think that there's such, I mean, I, I, again, like, and maybe every era has done this, but I can't recall like, you know, m- my elders ever being like, there was never like, I mean, I guess marketing has changed really. That's yeah. What it is. Yeah. And the yeah. salaries are so huge and they're guaranteed. If you sign a contract for $25 million a year, you're going to get $25 million a year. Whereas in the NFL, they could cut you and they don't have to pay you. So that's so the big difference. There. And yes. that completes the sports talk so portion of, of, of <laughs> the show. No. We'll be back with uh, all the uh, latest yeah. MLB news after the break. Uh, <laughs> um. Sarah, before we before we go here, I do want to talk. We talked about this um, your the spirit of collaboration. You did work with Eminem on uh, the song "Bad Man." You you co wrote it. You sang vocals on it. Um, what was that experience like working with the Marshall Mathers? Um, okay, so how it happened? I was working with um, a producer named S One. Hello, S1. Shout out to my friend. Um, S1 and I kind of started this just top lining project where he would send tracks and I would write a hook over it. And then I would go into the studio 
And when we ver the very first time we started working together, uh, I wrote uh, Bad Guy. And it, I guess it was like maybe six months later that we found out that it, it had landed on <laughs> Eminem's record. Actually, I never met Eminem, but I did meet the one and only Dr. Dre, which Oof. I still think, oh man, I still think about that. It was so fucking cool. He couldn't have been cooler. Um, hung out in his studio. I could brag all day about it. Um, did you smoke? Did you smoke a J with Dr. Dre? God, I wish. I I literally, I was frozen. I I was overcompensating for the squealing that was happening. In the internal squealing. Oh, I didn't touch my phone. I was, I was like, don't pick up your phone because he'll know that you're texting someone. I'm hanging out with Dr. Dre. Didn't touch him. <laughs> That's funny that what that crossed your mind. So like, not yes. to, don't touch my phone. He'll think that I'm, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just sat there. I maybe spoke two sentences. He, you know, asked me a few questions. Other than that, I did not speak. Um, and but, you're, you're, uh, you're the, I'm sorry, Sarah, go ahead. Oh, no, it was just, there was a lot of distance between me and the actual, like, in-game. Because where S1, S1 had already worked with Dr. Dre, this is how it all kind of came about. He was, uh, he did Kanye West's, or the actual track that he, one of the producers on that. So he already had this connection. So when, you know, I came into the picture, <clears throat> he had already established relationships with all, you know, Dr. Dre and the 14 other producers mm. that were involved with this one song. Um, but mm. where it left off, he basically, long story short, Eminem made this one song into two separate songs. So there's a whole other part of the track that I had nothing to do with, like where it, it, it kind of like gets violent and which was interesting Eminem to hear. But Eminem-ish, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. It's just like talking about burying a woman and i was like oh this should be interesting for the clementine fans uh yeah, yeah. yeah. all those all those uh, gentle-hearted sarah jaffe fans out there and had to hear you know, <laughs> not a singer-songwriter anymore sarah, you, you were you were the right age when eminem first came out the the first two lps that were just you know the big ones you were like in middle school did you grab onto those yeah. did your parents think that you were going to become a murderer because you were listening to Eminem? Man, anytime I try, I didn't, Eminem wasn't, I really liked a few collaborations he did. I liked that, you don't remember that song Renegade that he did with, with Jay-Z? I don't remember Renegade. Um, it's really good. It does slap. But I, he wasn't, I wasn't really big into Eminem. I think he can spit, but I wasn't, he wasn't like my go-to. Who were you um, into middle? Who were you into middle school? Were you into cool stuff or like dorky pop stuff? Both. I really both. Missy Elliott and still Missy Elliott. I remember the first time was the the super the against my window. Oh, yeah. I can't stand the rain. Yeah. Yeah, rain. Yeah. Oh, um, that video, super duper fly. Yeah. That video changed it for me. I mean, she has the best videos. So yeah. the visual element of that, like I was a forever fan then, but I was big it's into her. I also loved, I mean, I still, I still have the, 
same kind of taste. I pretty much listened to everything, honestly. I was more of a um, emo kind of kid. A lot of Dash a lot of crunchy guitars and and yearning. A lot of yearning. There was a lot of yearning yeah. in those songs. Oh, I yeah. had that shit too. Yeah. God. Yeah. Some of it's just. I mean, when nostalgia is there, it's hard to to hate on it. But some of it I listen back to now, and it's it's so cringy. Yeah. Yeah. Demi, do you, do you listen to cool music in middle school, or do you listen to dorky music in middle school? Oh my goodness, it was like a mixture of the police from like my parents. So he had some real good like classic rock, and then yeah. growing up in New York, it was like hip hop, and then. Yeah, like, and then the cool, you know, the cool kids were playing in like these alternative bands. So it was like, whoosh, whoosh, who were your, who were your hip hop go tos? Hip hop, dang. Honestly, it was more, it was more whatever was on the radio with 808s. Yeah, you know, anything kind of like just bopping um, yeah. on the radio. Yeah, D Demi's young, Sarah. D Demi, Demi's a youngin', so. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. So, because I mean, she, she was listening to you when she was sixteen. So, yeah. It's cool that you. Uh, I can't do the math. <laughs> it's honestly, so cool to like, yeah, ask you about swelling. That's why. We, that's why I love this show. We have like the. Cool oh, energy. I bet I. I would just have like a laundry list of questions for. for I, I'm into like a lot. A lot of like younger artists that are coming out right now are blowing my mind. Have y'all heard of this? I forgive me because I cannot pronounce her name. Benet B E N E E. Have you heard her? Yeah, I've, I've heard. I've heard of her. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, just like these these younger kids, <laughs> uh, just blowing my mind right now. Music, just yeah. Keep one of our up, favorites, one, one of my favorites here in New York is Pom Pom Squad, which we had on the show a while back. Me and Baron. Oh, I have. Um, I haven't heard them. I'll check them. Out. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Pom Pom Squad. She's kind of got a um, oh. kind of an early '90s Riot girl kind of sound. A little, little heavy. You know, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I, I like that kind of early in '90s throwback song. Huh? She's based in New York. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Totally, uh, totally Sweet. New York. Her dad is actually MC Search, like from Third Base, the rap, the early old school rap group. Um, oh, but wow. she, yeah, but her band her is like blood. totally heavy guitar driven, cool stuff. Yeah. That's so Shout cool. out Pump Pump Squad. Shout out Mia. Yeah. All right, Sarah, we, we got to go, but thank you so much for joining us on the show. Really thank appreciate Thank you guys it. so much for having me. Let's yeah. see you uh, in New York. We should all chill. Like, I know. Let's go. I'll yeah. see you around the block. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I love Ridgewood. Ridgewood's great. Ridgewood feels like a very love kind it. of like a small town kind of feel within. Brooklyn, yes. Queens. Yeah. Yes. I love, we just move in our own little boroughs. It's cute. Um, I love Ridgewood. I really love it. Yeah. All right. So uh, that's it. We'll, we'll talk to you later. Thanks. Thanks Thank a lot. you guys. Appreciate it. <laughs> that was Sarah Jaffe. Her latest EP, the championship is out now and on tour right now. So uh, I, I love, I, I get joy Demi out of watching you ask a question or talk to a musician that you admired when you were younger. And, and you're right. That is kind of a cool benefit of this show. So was that, would you get the answer you wanted? Was it, was it, would Absolutely. you get the, uh, the interaction that you wanted? Absolutely. I mean, sometimes you guys, I text Jordan. I'm like, wait a second. We get to ask them whatever we want. This is awesome. So yeah, yeah. this is why we love this show. That's cool. So, Next week we have our next two shows. Our our next two shows are lined up. 
we had an unfortunate, if you guys are a regular watchers slash listeners, you know, we did not do our scheduled um, show earlier this week with weathers and we've rescheduled that for next Thursday. It's a week from today at 1 PM. And then the next Thursday, we have a very, uh, one of uh, a band that's, that's been huge all over the world. Seether uh, will be here on uh, Thursday, uh, the week after next. So stay tuned for that. And, and as always, you can check out all our clips from our shows on YouTube and Facebook and Twitch. And uh, follow us on Instagram, Adrian Over Studio for me and Demi underscore Ramos. And of course, stream Demi's new single. Oh, get, get, those, get those plays There's up. There's more get coming. Yeah. All right. We'll talk to you later, guys. Thanks Go a lot. Ahead.